Hello, I'm Elena DelVal, and this is the HispanicNPR.com podcast. My guest today is Marlene Gomez, who is realtor at HomeSmart. We will discuss her thoughts about real estate in Arizona post-pandemic. According to her bio, Marlene is a United States Marine Corps veteran who is on a mission to help families build and grow their wealth through home ownership. She has a background in organizational, communication, leadership, project management, and strategic planning. She is membership director for the Arizona Women's Council of Realtors and membership director for the National Association of Hispanic Real Estate Professionals for the Greater Phoenix Area. She received the 2020 Top 40 Under 40 in the West and Southeast Realtors of the Valley Award, the 2020 Top 100 Latino Realtors in the West by the National Association of Hispanic Real Estate Professionals, and is in the Top 5% in HomeSmart Realtors Nationwide for 2020. Marlene is a servant leader who shares her knowledge by volunteering her time and leading as the local vice president of the board of We Serve West Valley, the local real estate association. Marlene, welcome. Thank you for having me, Elena. Paint a picture for us, if you would, of Arizona before all of this that's going on right now, earlier in the year. What was going on in Arizona? Let's start there. Well, that's definitely a great question. Um, what we were seeing in Arizona was the market was moving at a very accelerated pace. Given that back in February, we were listing homes and we were having multiple con- multiple offers within the first 24 hours of the house hitting the market, given that we still had a shortage in the housing industry. We were seeing that we had a lot of investors coming into Arizona. We have a lot of relocations coming into Arizona. At one point, we were seeing 250 individuals moving to Arizona daily. So definitely our market was moving at a very fast pace. And we could say that homes were just, we didn't have enough housing. So we started seeing rentals starting to move up. We had an increase of about 7% in rentals, and we didn't have enough. So we started seeing a lot of buildings coming up where they're building condos and townhomes because builders are trying to move fast and having more housing being developed here in the state. And who were all these people that were looking to buy homes and moving into the state? Do you have an idea of what that profile was like? Yes, we're seeing a lot of, Arizona is known for one of the best areas to relocate to when you're retiring. So we did see a lot of relocations coming in for the 55 plus communities, but we are also seeing a lot of movement coming in from California, Washington state. Um, What I would say is that we're seeing a lot of also first time home buyers because interest rates have, you know, gone down so much that they're in a in a position where they're able to start buying. So we're seeing them from all over, different areas, different incomes, relocations. Um, we are also having a lot of corporations coming out here to Arizona, building their companies and um, or moving their companies into Arizona. So we're seeing a lot of those individuals moving here. 
So this accounts for the buyers, right? And it sounded like you were talking mostly about single-family homes? Yes, correct. And then you also said that there was a 7% increase in the demand for rentals. Was that also for single-family homes? Yes, and mainly if you're looking at those in the rental industry when it comes to single, um, maybe two, three-bedroom homes for families, where apartments also are seeing an increase, so they rather move into a single-story home versus continuing to pay in a rental um, apartment. But then, you know, we have the individual owners that also are saying, okay, well, if I'm going to rent my house now, I want to have more income coming in. So they're raising the, the monthly price. But then you're looking at these buyers where they're, they're renting a home. They can literally go buy a home and pay the same amount because the interest rates are so low. So that's opening up different avenues of individuals wanting to buy property. And what would you say that – how would you divide those groups that you described to us in terms of percentages? So, for example, you talked about a lot of – people 55 and older moving into the state, would you say that's the lion's share or 10%? It's about 30% actually for um, 55 plus that come in yearly into Arizona. And what makes up the other 70%? Um, we start seeing them. That's a, a harder question for me to answer because it's divided into different groups. But I know that, you know, for example, our 55 plus, when we're looking at a national um, report, and we're seeing people that are relocating, they're saying 33% of individuals are coming to retire into Arizona, and that's based from our uh, Cromford report that we have. And we gather a lot of their analytics and data, and they take all these reports from the National Association of Realtors, from the Arizona Association of Realtors, and they start seeing where, when we have closings, where are these people relocating from? Because the title companies are gathering this information, and then they put it into a report for us. So we can see um, where that's coming from. And where are they going? Are there particular areas in Arizona? Is it statewide? Or is it in the cities? <laughs> Right. We're seeing a lot of it in, so we have different 55 plus communities. An example would be Sun City, but we also have them in the east side of um, Phoenix. So there, there's different locations. Um, mainly what we're seeing growth exponentially is going to be in our Tucson area. We're going to be seeing it in our Gilbert Chandler areas, which is the East Valley. And then we're also seeing a lot of expansion towards the West, which is going to be your Buckeye area, Surprise, Waddell, um, Goodyear area. We're seeing those expansions because that's where there's land to build on versus the city of Phoenix in itself. And is it the same groups that are buying in these areas, west and east, that you're describing? So west and east of Phoenix, the over 55, the corporations, the new families buying for the first time, are they all gravitating to the same areas near Phoenix? No, I think that um, in the East Valley we have a lot of uh, – we have some Intel companies like Chandler Intel that's out there. Um, they're bringing people from 
different areas to come and live there. They're relocating their employees there. We're seeing different median pricing as well. So you're looking at homes that are over 350000 where in the West Valley, we still have homes, more affordable housing, where it could start at 220000 So I think that those groups are going to, you know, go to where they can afford it. Who's buying the 220000 Who's buying in that area? Um, right now, our median um, price point is about 295 and that's a 8.9% increase from last year's numbers here in the state. So that's a pretty big jump. But what we're seeing is your first-time home buyers. Those are the ones that are trying to get into that price point, um, which, again, the interest rates are really helping them being able to afford more housing that they would have you know, been able to buy last year. There's a, did you say 8.9% increase between 2019 and 2020? Yes. That was the monthly median sales uh, price. And are these the people you were saying that are moving from California and Washington states? Um, not, I, I believe that the people that are moving in from other states like Michigan, um, I have a relocation coming in from Hawaii. We have um, California, they're buying a higher priced bracket when it comes to to relocating. They're higher in the 350s and, and up. Our first time home buyers are the ones that are going to be local here in the state of Arizona, already living here. Is there a more detailed profile in terms of the demographic profiles that you're seeing? Um, let's see here. Well, one of the things that I've seen is, you know, as a Latino agent, I work a lot with the Hispanic community. And our goal is to try to make housing more affordable for them. And we try to guide them and and show them what they can do in order to get qualified and to being able to purchase a home. So what we're seeing is that in our Latino community, we're helping raise the FICO scores. We're helping to make them mortgage ready to be able to qualify. And with so many housing um, programs out there right now that are able to assist buyers with their closing costs or with their down payments, it's making it more affordable for them to buy with a 3.5% down versus a 10% down. So that is allowing our Latino community to buy more housing in the state. What percentage of that market overall that we've been talking about would you say they represent? I would say about 37%. Um, yeah, that would be about right, 37%. Latinos represent was, about 37% of your buyers? Yes. The remaining buyers, what can you tell us about them? They're move-up buyers. So a lot, we have a lot of um, move-up buyers right now. We have, um, let's say if there's a family that purchased a home in 2010, 2011, their home value here in the state of Arizona has pretty much doubled. If they bought a home for 150000 that home is worth about 300000 right now. So they have a lot of equity in their home, and they're seeing a lot of them, I feel like, they look at the market and say, okay, are we going to have a crash? Are we going to start lowering our prices? Are we going to have a same situation of what happened in 2005? 
you know, there's that fear. But then they're saying, okay, I have this equity right now. I can move up in a home with the interest rates being so low and be able to almost have that same mortgage payment that they have in the smaller home. So we're seeing a lot of move-up buyers where, you know, either their family has grown and they need more space. We're seeing um, right now that people that may have had a townhome that had two bedrooms are now having to work from home, and they're like, okay, I don't fit in here. I need to have an office space. So they're having to move into a bigger location. And the good thing for, about that is that we need housing right now. We, are, we have a shortage in Arizona of listings. So if we have move of buyers, that opens it up for somebody else to buy that home and become a first-time buyer. What is happening since the pandemic? Because this is wreaking havoc in so many ways in our lives. What are you seeing with the pandemic, and how is that affecting real estate? Um, well, it's affecting us in many different ways. I, you know, from what I'm seeing throughout the National Association of Realtors, there was a lot of states in the U.S. that actually real estate was not considered essential. We were, they were asked to stop doing business. They were not able to continue doing um, their escrows. You know, people had to put a halt on everything. We were very blessed here in the state of Arizona where we did not have to do that. We were considered essential individuals. Our business continued um, going, but yes, we took a big dip. We took a dip in the amount of contracts that were being written in the amount of, we had a lot of property that went off market because they were afraid if, if there was, if there was a home that was owner occupied, people were scared to have individuals come into their homes, right? So there was that fear. People said, you know what? I'm going to wait till this passes and then I'll relist my home. So we saw, we started seeing a lot of homes going under a term that's called temporary off market. I myself had that situation. Um, we were listing a home that had a tenant in it and the tenant said, you know what? I don't feel comfortable with individuals coming into my home. I have a newborn baby and I don't want anybody coming in. So we put it off market. Um, we started seeing a decline in the amount of sales that were happening and new inventory coming into the market, and that was right around March. Um, now, we also started seeing where we took a big dip was in properties that were over 500000 Those homes are either were taken off the market, but we had a very um, a very low turnaround in trying to get those under contract. Um, let's see. What else? So it says here, let me check my report. Under the circumstances, um, you know, homes that were over 500,000 slowed down by 64%, and that was at the peak where it was February 24th. Um, Right now, we're seeing an increase in these homes coming back on the market. Again, people were scared. They were saying, okay, are we going to have a crash? Should I put a halt on continuing to look for a home? They wanted to see what was going to happen. Six weeks in, we started seeing the, the properties that were under contract back in February. They started closing. Yes, we had delays. And all of a sudden, 
we started seeing more homes come on the market. And yes, they were not being sold within 24 hours, but we're now seeing seven days and those homes are going under contract. So right now we're already in, in June, June 1st, but as of May, we started seeing a large increase in the amount of contracts that were coming up. So we started seeing a spike on, you know, on our records showing how many homes are under contract now versus March, right? Same um, different price points from 250000 to those $500,000 homes. We started seeing an increase now. The confidence is building up. And I believe that has a lot to do with our state's reopening. What do you think will happen if the number of cases goes up again, as the many of the healthcare experts are saying is happening in states that have eased on their lockdown? Do you think there's going to be a slide back? What What do you expect? I do. I think that you know people are trying to take a lot of precautions, right? I think that a lot of individuals are scared because they have uncertainty of what's going to happen with their jobs, whether, you know, should they take this next step. But everybody needs housing. That's that's the difference, you know, from what we're seeing is everybody needs housing. Either you're renting or you're buying. Um, and, again, with the interest rates being so low, it makes sense for someone to buy a home versus rent a property and pay somebody else's mortgage. What we're seeing, and, and I'll tell you that I actually ask questions, you know, when, when we're interviewing for um, whether we're going to be a good fit with the buyer, we ask questions, you know, okay, you know, the type of job that they do, are they going to have that security? Because we don't want them to break a lease to move into a home and then their job is insecure. We want to make sure that we're setting them up for success, right? We want to make sure that they're not taking more on than what they can. We don't want them paying more when they're comfortable paying X amount. So we definitely want to make sure that buyers are educated when it comes to how much home can they buy. But again, housing is necessary. You have to live somewhere. So we want to make sure that we're there to advocate for them, that we're there to assist them and provide guidance and provide all the tools necessary for them to be informed before they make this large investment with their homes. Again, people are still scared to go out. So we're taking special precautions when we're showing properties. We want to make sure they're not touching or handling anything in the property. Uh, where you're wearing masks, we're wearing gloves, we're doing hand sanitizing, all those things to make sure that they feel comfortable as well. Uh, we're doing virtual. We're going, we're doing so many things virtually right now to accommodate buyers and sellers. We're doing virtual tours. We, you know, an agent can go in there and they can video the whole home and then send it to them so that they can see the home at the ease of, you know, their desktop or on their cell phone. So we're trying to accommodate in many different ways to ease people's fears. And, again, trying to be there to advocate for them. But at the same time, it's providing all the necessary tools so that they can feel that comfort level of what they're doing. Are there particular groups that are more concerned about the pandemic, about getting the virus? Is it 
new buyers? Is it the ones that are moving up? Is it the retirees or the corporate buyers? Uh, is there anybody who stands out because they're particularly concerned and are asking for more measures to protect them? Yes. Um, I've seen a lot of it in my 55-plus community. I had a client who needed to leave the state back home because this was uh, their winter home. They were supposed to leave at the end of February, and they couldn't leave. They're actually still here. They won't leave till the till the 24th of this month. But they wanted, you know, they were scared to go to the supermarket, you know, to the point where I said, you know, if there's anything that you need, I will go get it for you. We were making arrangements for different clients, asking, is there anything you need? Because they didn't want to leave their home. And up to now, they don't feel comfortable leaving their home. I, myself, my father-in-law, um, he is 79 years old, and he is retired. He's been living with me for the past 15 years. And, you know, in, in our Latino communities, we have that. A lot of us see that is our parents live with us, right? And we made it such a big deal. It's like, you cannot go outside. If you want to go buy something, I'm going to go for you. When we step out of the house, we come back, we take off our clothes, we put in the wash, we sanitize ourselves because we don't want to bring anything back home. As an essential worker, you know, we still have to take special precautions coming back into our homes. But we are seeing that spike of uncertainty of being scared and the fear um, in our older communities, but also in our, you know, if you have a first-time home buyer who has an infant, they're scared. You know, they don't want to be um, having their infant looking at home. So one of the things that we say is, you know, we need to take those extra precautions. You can't bring your baby with you. Or there's only two people allowed with the realtor. You know, there's certain things that we try to take precautions on, you know, make arrangements for someone to watch the child, you know, while you're looking at homes. We just don't want to expose ourselves to multiple um, people, and we want to make sure we're keeping that distance between each other as well. I read recently that in places like Brazil, the percentage of deaths, I think it was deaths as opposed to cases, was 50% for people under the age of 50, and there were similar statistics in Mexico. Are any of your buyers bringing up those concerns that it's affecting not just the elderly, but these younger profiles, and now also they've discovered, I think it's 300 cases in children that are exhibiting COVID symptoms that are different, but that are still COVID symptoms and are causing right. problems and deaths. I myself haven't had any clients um, bring up those topics when it comes to the age groups. But one of the things that I do ask before we start viewing homes is, are you comfortable is there anything that we can do to make you more comfortable, right? So if a topic like that would come up and they would say, you know what, I'm scared of this, you know, I don't want to be going out because they're saying that, you know, there's the t death toll is rising within under the age of 50, then my immediate, re you know, conversation would turn. I would pivot and I would say, okay, you know, how about I send you these homes, take a look at them. If this is something that you like, based on pictures, I will get you a video walkthrough of the property because I want to make sure that they don't feel um, 
I mean, obviously they want to buy a home or they're looking for housing, but we definitely want to make it comfortable for them. So everybody's a little bit different, and we pivot whenever we need to to make sure that they feel more comfortable and that they're not feeling that stress or that fear. I think I saw in today's paper that the number of walkthroughs the video walkthroughs has increased as a result of the pandemic. How does that affect your job? How readily available are videos of the properties? Because that takes a lot of additional work, or is that something that you do as a general rule? Well, right now we're doing it pretty much on all properties because of this pandemic. We want to make sure we offer all different types of um, either a video conference we're doing um, – we're seeing professional photography now offering it as a package. So what we do is whenever we list a home, we're getting a professional uh, photographer to take the pictures of the property, right? Now they're offering for them to do the video walkthrough, and then they're putting it in a package for us. Because what that does, it actually helps us more for them to include the videos because we can just send it out to the clients. If there's a realtor on the, let's say, in a different state that says, hey, I have a client relocating to Arizona, and they they saw your property, do you have a video? I can just send it out to them right away, you know, and it's almost like a walkthrough of, you know, up and down, side to side. They can literally push a button, and they can be walking through the house. Um, So there's just a lot of different virtual things that we can do. Open houses have changed as well. Here in our state, we um we started doing virtual open houses and what that meant was an agent would sit in the off you know in the property and an agent would call and say hey i have this buyer who would like to see the house and then you're literally i would be walking in the house with my phone on facetime or through messenger or through other avenues and the client would be on the phone And they would say, oh, can you go back and, you know, show the bathroom again? Or can you go back and show me the pullouts in the in the kitchen cabinet, that type. So we're trying to make it as easy as possible and as comfortable, you know, if we have a relocation or we have someone that just doesn't want to leave their home, but they still need to buy a home. Are there guidelines or requirements that you follow in terms of the videos? For example, a date stamp, or are the photographers and videographers, are they limited in how they can present the property? Are they able to Photoshop, etc.? So we ask photographers not to do Photoshop. They do the lighting, you know, to make sure. But we want to make sure that the house looks the way it really does. Um, There are some, you know, pictures that get taken, and it just doesn't – they use a fish lens that makes the rooms look bigger. So we try to avoid that. At least I try to avoid that. We want to make sure that the house looks like what it really does versus someone coming in to see the house, and they say, well, this – this room looks so much smaller now than it did on the pictures, right? But um, we do try to do the date stamps. We want to put everything we put online has to be, um, has to have the date of when it was done. We want to make sure we're watermarked, right, with the information in the brokerage that you're with. 
but we also want to provide real-time information. So there's a lot of websites that don't have that information, so they do have to contact an agent and say, is this property still available? And it might have already gone under contract, right? So I always recommend the buyers go into their local association for their state and find an agent that they can work with because things on social media, things that are, you know, out there on different websites for home searches are never, um, are not always accurate in real time. What about the dimensions? So say, for example, you were talking about how with some lenses, a room looks larger than it is in real life. Do you mm-hmm. include the square footage of the overall property and of the individual yes. areas? Right, yes. So we have to provide information as to bedrooms, bathrooms, square footage of the home. And then if they want any additional information, they can always reach out to the agent and, you know, through the county assessor's office, any individual can really go in there and check, you know, information on the property as far as square footage. Again, if there's been any additions um, to the property, then it would be the buyer's, <clears throat> the buyer's, job to make sure that they're getting when they're doing their inspection to make sure that they check also if those additions have permits and and all of that that's part of their due diligence that they have to look at so it's one of the informations that we provide our buyers is we want to make sure we research everything and what do you think is going to happen in relation to these tools the video the photos the availability of information in a virtual format uh, post-pandemic, do you think it's going to go back to normal fairly quickly, or you think it's going to stay with us for a while? No, it's going to stay with us for a while. I mean, at least that's my thought. Um, I love it. I love the fact that we're able to accommodate individuals and provide this additional service because they can go back. And, you know, I think, and I'll be honest, there's times where I'm showing six properties to one buyer in one day, and then the next day we're going to go see other properties. Think about that. How many homes have you seen? What are you going to remember about those individual properties, right? Having the video for those individual locations really helps the buyer because they can say, you know what? I can't remember if I love the kitchen in house two or six or eight. And they can go back and say, okay, this is the house that has a beautiful kitchen, and I can go back and, and do this. So I, I actually see it as a positive selling tool when it comes to um, a buyer being able to go back and take a look at what they've seen. Sometimes our showing appointments could be as fast as 15 minutes per property, you know. So um, them taking notes, I think that a buyer would appreciate being able to go back and, and review video, you know. So I think that we're going to keep this for quite some time. I think that virtual showings will continue to grow, and I think it, I think buyers will like it a lot. Are you seeing or have you seen buyers who have relied solely on these virtual tools in their decision-making and or purchasing? Yes. I actually have one right now. I have a client relocating from Colorado. They're selling their home there, and the husband actually flew out uh, for a couple of days, and we were seeing properties here in Arizona, and, you know, we saw multiple amount of homes because he, he literally said, I have three days to choose a house, right? And after all the homes we saw, they were still kind of like, oh, I don't know. And I said, look, this one just hit the market. He was flying out that same day, <clears throat> same day, and I, I went to the house. 
I did a virtual. I took the video. I sent it to them directly. And he, him and I, we had already spent some time together looking at properties. So he was like, Marlene, I know that you know what I want. Is this everything that we are looking for? Does Do you think that this is what we've been seeing? And will this meet, you know, what our thoughts were with what we've been asking for? And I said, this is going to be a house that you're going to love. And I went very detailed with an extended length of video showing them, you know, all aspects of the home. And that's the home that they decided to make an offer on. And it was accepted. So I think that, I think that people are really looking at buying regardless of whether they can step into that property or not before they get those keys. What do you think are the likely consequences of this? Because it's not the same experience when you walk through a place than when you watch the video. In some respects, as you said, you can go back and watch the video and it will help refresh your memory. Uh, But in other cases, you might misunderstand or misinterpret the video and it doesn't have the same feel or maybe you can't smell something an odor that a house has or something of that kind on a video that you would in person. What issues do you think are going to come up moving forward post-pandemic with the videos? I think that, you know, we have to be honest with our clients. We have to be very transparent and we have to be honest. If I walked into a home and it had a, you know, funky smell, I'm going to let them know. Right. And that's a conversation that I'm going to have with them prior to me doing that, because I want to know that they're going to be okay with purchasing a home sight unseen. I've had multiple of those clients. But again, I have that conversation with, listen, I'm going to come into this home and I want to make sure that you're okay with me being honest with you about, you know, what I see, what I smell. And, you know, of course, you, you know, if they, if they say, yes, we want to move forward, but then they have to go through an inspection as well, right? So there has to be an inspection. There has to be a report provided to that buyer, which we always tell them, you know, we want to make sure you get your inspection because there's a lot of things that I might not see that an inspector will catch. So we want to take all those precautions. We want to educate our clients and letting them know these are the steps that are going to need to be taken if you're purchasing a home on site on scene. We want to make sure that you're following your due diligence and that we're providing you the best possible and the best amount of information that we can prior to you purchasing this home. I think that the buyers will appreciate that, specifically if they've chosen or they are unable to see the homes themselves. Not everyone is perhaps as thorough or thoughtful or proactive as what you're describing. So if we look at the post-pandemic situation, there are likely to be issues that arise from buyers purchasing homes sight unseen, relying on photos and videos. Perhaps other realtor companies are not providing the videos or not the same quality videos What consequences do you think that we're going to see and what redress will these buyers have, if any? Well, I think that, um, you know, I can't speak for other brokerages or other agents, but I think that, you know, a buyer has to 
do their due diligence with every aspect of it. If if I was buying a home and I just didn't feel comfortable going out or going um, buying a home site unseen, I wouldn't do it. You know, and that's one thing that I tell clients. I've had clients where there's like, you know, I just can't. I'm going to wait till I get there. I will stay in an extended stay or I will get an Airbnb and then we'll, we'll go from there. And I'm totally okay with that because I need to make sure that they're comfortable with it. And I do discuss that. I say, you know, I don't want you to buy a home that you are not going to be happy with or that you might feel like, oh, you know, um, it's not what I thought it was going to be, right? I think we will see some of that post-pandemic. I think they will have buyers. Um, I, I even think we might have buyers that might buy a property and in because they have to, and not might not might not be a hundred percent happy with it. But that's just something that they're whether they're willing to accept it or whether they're willing to take that risk is something that buyers have to be comfortable with. They need to make sure that they're willing to to move forward on that transaction and 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 proceed in buying it, but they need to have you know all their ducks in a row. They need to make sure that they've done their inspections. They need to make sure that they've done everything possible on their own behalf and not just rely on an agent or, you know, on the inspector. I've had clients where I said, you know what, we went under contract, but here's a date for the inspector. Do you want to fly out and, and come in? And I've had clients fly in for one day just to do the inspection, and then they go back, and then they finish the rest of the transaction. So we just need to be able to provide information. That's what we need to do is educate the buyer in all their aspects. The same with sellers. We want to provide them all the information of what can happen, what are buyers looking for, what is it that we're going to need to do to accommodate, you know, someone that's relocating or someone that's not able to be there for the walkthrough or for the initial viewing, you know. So we want to make sure that that everybody is aware of what's, what the steps are going to be. One of the predictions that I saw for the real estate market in general this morning, I think it's from the National Association of Realtors, was a probable drop in real estate numbers between 10 and 15 percent between 2019 and 2020. But yours seems to be an area in high demand. Do you think that you'll have a drop or do you think that people are just going to go back to where they were before the pandemic? No, I think that in Arizona, we're going to be seeing not a decrease in pricing, but we're going to see a, more a flat line. Uh, we're going to stabilize because over the last three years, Arizona's numbers and median prices have continued to rise. So what we're seeing right now is we're seeing more stable, you know, the numbers are just kind of flatlining. We're not increasing our pricing as we were last year. But at the same time, what we are seeing right now with our sellers is that more sellers are apt to give closing assistance to the buyers. So if a buyer is purchasing a home and they need help with closing, we're seeing an increase there of um, sellers helping those buyers with closing costs just to get the deal done. But we're not seeing a drop in prices. 
and the and the offers are taking a little bit longer. You were saying instead of getting an offer within 24 hours, now that's spread out to seven days. Is that right? Yeah, we're yes, we're seeing it anywhere between one week, two weeks, and we're going under contract. Whereas last year, or even in February, we were still seeing homes go under contract within 24 hours. Um, you know, again, that's going to depend on the house whether it's turnkey ready or whether it needs repairs, those type of things have a lot to do with how fast a house can go under contract. But again, you know, I don't see that our housing prices are going to are going to go down. I do see I, I did see that with the National Association of Realtors saying that our prices might go down. But in the state of Arizona, we're not seeing that, you know, that that's going to happen. You talked about rentals at the beginning and that there was a high demand for rentals. Are these issues that we've been discussing also applying in the same way to rentals? Yes. You know, one thing that I've also seen in rentals, again, you know, with the increase of 7%, um, last year we had a 7% increase as well in rentals, we're seeing that for single-family single homes, we're seeing that the owners to these properties are also being more picky, right? Because they have a lot of people to choose from on who they're going to rent to. So they're looking at better credit scores. They're looking at stability. They're looking at, you know, as far as employment stability, because they want to make sure that they're not going to rent to a family that will get laid off due to the pandemic, you know? So, Investors have to take those actions. They have to make sure that they're um, vetting the people that are submitting these applications. And sometimes you have a home that's on the market to be rented, and they have 10 applications, and all 10 get denied because there's something there that the owner does not like, and they they want to wait for that right tenant that has the, all the qualifications that they're looking for. So that's something that we don't really measure, that we don't really say if there's a guideline that you have to follow and it's A, B, and C. Owners can really have a little bit more of a say-so when it comes to those applicants coming in. So we are seeing a lot of people looking for rent. Um, we're looking at people that are needing to rent a, you know, a home versus going into an apartment because they need more space. But as far as pricing goes, you can literally buy a home for the same amount that you're renting for. And that's what's mind-boggling to me is interest rates are so low. I have a client that wants to rent for, you know, $1,600, but they can rent a three-bedroom home for $1,550. You know, they can buy it for paying $1,550. And they can get a down payment assistance that's going to give them the down payment, and they can get closing costs. You know, they can literally move into this new home that they bought for under $2,500 where to move into a rental, you have to pay a deposit, which is normally like a month and a half's rent plus the first month's rent. That's, you know, that's where we're trying to educate our buyers or people that are trying to rent. Have you considered buying instead? Right. For a while, Cities were the desirable place for renters, many rentals, especially college graduates and first-time, I guess, renters perhaps would be the term, were gravitating towards cities, looking for jobs, looking for an urban lifestyle. And at the same time, retirees were going to cities and looking for that lifestyle where everything is available within easy reach, maybe on foot. 
And the report that I saw today says that because of all the pandemic effects on our lives and our budgets, that they anticipated, again, I think this was from the National Association of Realtors, that there was going to be a greater move from those people, especially the younger renters, to the suburbs because they could get more for their money. What do you think right. about that? I agree with that. I think that, you know, for them, they'd rather have a commute and get more for what they're buying. You know, they can afford uh, better housing if they have a longer commute and they're willing to do that, which is where we're seeing a lot of, you know, growth here in Arizona towards the west and the east because centralized Phoenix, you know, we have areas that have lofts, we have condos and places like that. But as far as cost goes, you know, they're better off moving farther, a little bit farther away from the main city and paying paying the same amount but getting more house. So I, I definitely see that happening. The other issue that has come up, and I don't think this is specific to the pandemic, but I wonder if it's going to be accentuated post-pandemic, is multi-families in single-family homes and multi-generational families in single-family homes. So, for example, where you used to have a family living in a single-family home, you might have three non-related individuals or groups, uh, or you might have multiple generations living in a home. So where you might see two cars parked in front of a car, you might now have five or six. Are you saying that? Yes, I am. And I'm a prime example of that. You know, as I mentioned, um, my father-in-law still lives with us. And, you know, that's something that we've always done. But I also see family. So I'll give you another example. We have a, a, a young gentleman who's, you know, got accepted to ASU West. And his dad calls me and says, hey, you know what? I want to buy a condo for my son and I want, you know, for it to be three bedrooms because he's going to rent out the other two rooms to help pay for it. Right. But it's going to help him not just pay rent, somebody else's rent, somebody else's mortgage. He's going to be able to live in it close to the ASU West and then he'll rent out the other rooms to help the, the rent be paid. Right. So we're seeing that type of situations. We're also seeing um, next gen homes. And a lot of those are going to be the the homes that have a main home to it. And then they also have a separate entrance, almost like a little guest house, but it's attached to the main house. And we're seeing a lot of those being built. You know, there's a lot of builders out there right now focusing on that because we do have a lot of younger adults moving back home to live with the parents or we're seeing where the older parents are moving in with their kids, but they need that separate space. So they actually have their own entrance on the side or in the front. So next to the main door, you'll have another door, and that leads to that second um, entrance for their main living. But then it connects to the, to the main house as well. So we're seeing a lot of those being built here in Arizona. What effect, if any, have you noticed from – the seasonal rentals and the nightly rentals on the population density in the area? We've taken a big hit with that. Um, a lot of, um, we here in Arizona, we have a lot of Airbnbs. We have a lot of extended stays where you can rent them for, you know, a couple of weeks, even from one nights or, you know, two nights or the weekend. 
So we've definitely taken a big hit with with that here, given that there's been so many travel restrictions. Um, I I hope that you know that that eases up and we start getting more people into our state. But you know, given the severity of this pandemic, it's it's a scary thing, and I think that. You know, I had many conventions to go to this year, you know, from starting March, April, May. We have another one coming up. And I truthfully, I won't travel because of the fear. You don't know. I don't want to go into another place where there's going to be hundreds of people and coming back home. And I have a daughter, you know, who's five years old. And then my father-in-law, who's elderly also, I wouldn't want to be the cause of bringing something home, you know, so we have to take so many precautions and I understand people not wanting to travel. So I think that these um, properties right now that, you know, work that short stay um, rentals, they're taking a big hit. But what we are seeing is that a lot of properties that were available for Airbnbs have now been converted to rentals. So furnished rentals. So if someone needed six months, they're willing to do a six-month rental on that Airbnb, you know, where before it would have been for one week or two weeks, right? Um, we're seeing the winter homes. They're trying to make sure that, you know, if they needed to stay longer, they're they're making those exceptions and making sure that people can stay if they were already here or, you know, um, just investors are trying to find a way to make it work for them because obviously that was a revenue that was paying for those properties, um, having these short stays, having the, the people come in for the weekend and then leave, you know, right now they're taking a toll as well. So they rethought, you know, Hey, if I rent it for a longer time for six months to a year, at least we'll have fixed income paying for that property itself. So that's one of the things that we're seeing as well here. So post-pandemic, you think that there are going to be fewer nightly rentals and short-term seasonal rentals through online forums and more longer stays and longer-term rentals? Yes, I do. I, I mean, we're already seeing that. You know, we're seeing that now, but even after, I think that, with with you know the media and how they they talk about a second wave of covid coming through and more you know it affecting other ages i think that people will still take precautions on their travel plans as mentioned i will um and i think that that's where these investors that own these properties will say you know what instead of making it a short stay i'm just going to rent it out for 6 months or for a year and and i think that that's going to continue to happen for the next year year and a half. The last I read, there were more than three dozen cities that were having demonstrations, some of them peaceful, some of them violent, uh, and the situation as of today continues. Are you seeing the effects of this in, in any way? Are they affecting your market? Well, I'll say that, you know, Governor Ducey did implement a stay-at-home order after, I think it's 8 p.m. for this whole week. We had some riots that happened here in the state, and, you know, we've had peaceful ones, and we've had some, you know, bad ones. But I think that, you know, with the order saying don't come out of your home after 8 p.m., I think that that's something that we really want to take into effect. Of course, in my industry, we're not really showing properties at that time of 
evening and and it just depends on location as well so we try to take as many precautions as possible i don't see it affecting our industry you know our industry right here for real estate at this point in time given that it's so fresh you know within the last week um i don't think that we're going to see an effect you know overall what additional trends or changes do you think are likely in your area or if you feel comfortable beyond your area that people can prepare for, that people can anticipate in terms of buying or renting real estate? Um, I think that this would be a general for, you know, nationwide is right now consumers and, and buyers and sellers, they're working from home. A lot of us are. We're working from home. We need more space. If you don't have a designated area for an office, I think individuals will start looking at technology to make sure that they have everything they need, um, you know, for streaming from having an office in their in their home to those move-up buyers that I discussed earlier, but also when they're going to buy another property, when they're going to move into another apartment, they're going to make sure that they have more space because, again, you know, with the with the children doing homeschooling as well, that's an additional space that you normally don't count on when you have, in my case, three children on computers, you know, doing school, and then myself, my husband being on computers, we have five devices going on at the same time, you know, so we want to make sure that technology is there. And that's one thing that I think buyers and consumers will be looking for is making sure that they, where they're going, that they're going to be able to stream, that they're going to be able to have good um, connections. They're going to be able to see that they need more space and um, separate it, you know, more of a designated areas for an office um, other than just the living room or the family room, because they need that quiet space to get their work done. I had clients that actually told me, you know what, I'm not going back to work anytime soon. Right now, my employer says I'm working from home till 2021. So I think that post-pandemic, we're going to see that a lot of employers are going to accommodate employees to work from home. So we're going to see that shift on what consumers are looking for. And if they do have those smart devices in the homes from thermostats to, you know, good um you know, connections and and things that you can do from your home, you know, from your device to remote into your home. I think that we're going to see that as a selling tool and more builders will start incorporating that as well when they're, you know, selling new builds to, to consumers. Where can our listeners get additional information on these issues that we've been discussing in terms of just becoming better educated and understanding what their rights are, what their remedies are. Say, for example, we were talking about the tools that are available for out-of-state shoppers or buyers who are concerned about the pandemic. Where can our listeners get better informed about these issues? 
So listeners can actually go into their local association for the state that they're in. Um, in my case, it would be the Arizona Association of Realtors. You can go to the Texas Association of Realtors. Normally, it'll stay, start with the state name, and then it'll say Association of Realtors. They can log in, and there's a section for consumers to be able to look at all the hot topics that are going on, things on coronavirus, the pandemic, the unemployment, assistant guides that they can look at. Um, they can also go to the National Association of Realtors, which is NAR.realtor, and they can, you know, look for information there. But again, even going through your Congress, um, you know, people in your state, they offer so many, so many um, tools that can help you when it is that you're looking for um, whether it's real estate, whether it's assistance, whether it's anything from um, if you needed help with bills and if you needed help with your mortgage, there's so many um, advocacy and nonprofit organizations out there that can guide you and send you information. So I think that always starting within your associations in your local state are definitely a good place to start. And then they can also branch out and say, here's a different source that can help you based on what it is that you need. Um and always, you know, when, when people are looking to buy and sell, they need to make sure that they have all the information that's available, looking for someone that's informed. It's hard when they're trying to do it on their own. Um, so I think that education is a big part of it, and they need to do research. You know, they have to do the research on where they want to be, what they where they want to go, and and look ahead. Start doing research. If you're planning on moving in six months, start now because – that property that you may want, those specific things you may want in a home, might take some time to look for. What about Hispanics? You talked about some programs that will help with the down payments. I don't know if they were Hispanic-specific or if they're just available for everyone. Where can our listeners get more information on that? Um, So these down payment assistance programs are available to everybody. A lot of people don't know that we have them. You know, a lot of people don't know that you can purchase a home with as little as 3.5% down. But you, there is um, different programs in different states. So Home Ready would be one of them. And if you actually just punched in on Google and you said down payment assistance programs in, in my case, Arizona, there's going to be websites that come up. And if it's somewhere in, in, you know, in California or if someone was looking for a down payment assistance in Florida, they can actually just punch that in and um, different information will come up. And they want to look at the ones that are um, by the federal government or by their state. So we have state funded programs here. We also have federally funded programs. Um, Freddie Mac, Jenny Mac, all of them, they, they offer different programs. But what people also don't know is that your local banks offer programs. There are local banks that have what's called a portfolio loan, and they do home loans, but they also hold the loan in their bank, and they provide you an additional type of grant, money that you don't have to pay back. So you you can, there's so many resources out there, it's just people need to know about them. So you can start with your local bank, you can start doing a Google search and just punch in, um, down payment assistance programs in the state of Arizona, and there's like 
seven of them. And then in addition to that, if you go through your local bank, they might be able to offer you something different as well that's comparable or better. So that that's, you know, I think research is definitely the number one tool that you have to do with trying to 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 find a good option when you're trying to buy a home. Is that specifically for first-time buyers? Is it also available for people who have had homes before or people who are reaching retirement age and still don't have a home? What can you tell us about the eligibility requirements? Well, um, different programs have different, you know, requirements, but there's programs out there that you you could have owned a home two years ago and then you sold it and you still qualify for a grant. So it's just looking at the guidelines. Once you find the programs that are available in your state, you can definitely go in. It'll tell you what the guidelines are. And then you want to find the lender that's able to assist you because not all not all lenders offer the programs. That's another thing that the consumers need to be aware of is some lenders might say, you know what, I don't. Um, I don't offer that program, but I offer this, and it might be something totally different. So you definitely want to make sure that before you start pre-qualifying yourself with somebody that you're asking those questions, you know, what type of programs do you offer because I'm looking for something that might I might, you know, I want to know if I qualify for it. What three suggestions would you share for buyers and for sellers in this post-pandemic, post-riot environment that we're in? Recommendations for buyers would be to find all the information that you can prior to starting your search with a home. Obviously, talking to a lender, because I really don't recommend looking at homes if you're not pre-qualified. You want to know as an individual that you are qualified to purchase a home. You want to have that piece of paper in your hand and say, Okay, I spoke to a lender and they told me that I qualified for buying a home for this amount and I know what my mortgage payment is going to be. You don't want to get that surprise later, right? So you want to make sure you're informed with that. You want to be prepared to know that you can go look at a house and if you love it, you can make an offer on it. Other than that, I would say know that you have to do certain things. You're going to have to go through an inspection period. You're going to have to go through, you know, an appraisal period. If you're currently in a lease, you want to know when that's over because you want to have enough time to be able to search for that next home. You don't want to call and say, can I buy a home today? And I need to be out of my house in 20 days. Because normally escrow, when you, once you find that home that you like, it's going to take we could see 21 days, but truthfully, you're going to see anywhere from 30 and with this whole pandemic happening up to 45 days, you know. So we want to make sure that consumers are aware that they need to have a plan in action before they're out shopping for that home. For sellers, I would say that you need to make sure that if you want to really sell your home, you have to be prepared. Have it show ready. You want to make sure that you decluttered your home. You want to make sure that you depersonalize your home as best as possible because people want to come into that home and envision themselves living in it, right? You want to make sure that you're also prepared with an action plan of what will you do when your home goes under contract. You want to know where your next home's going to be. We don't want to catch you off guard and say, oh, my home's going to take two months to sell because we're in a pandemic right now and then we go under contract in one week and now you don't know where you're going to go. So sellers need to be, they need to have a plan of action and know 
where they're going to go. They need to be prepared and, you know, be comfortable with showing their house that they're living in it. That's one of the most important things is they need to be comfortable with it, that they need to step out of the home when someone's going to come and take a look. That's something that we're really seeing where we want to make sure that, you know, we're not having a lot of people in a property. We want to keep that distance between each other and preferably for the homeowner not to be home if they're currently residing in it. Marlene, thank you for joining us from Surprise, Arizona. You're welcome. Thank you, Elena, for having me. It was a pleasure. And to our audience, you have been listening to Marlene Gomez, who is a realtor with HomeSmart, who discussed her thoughts about real estate in Arizona post-pandemic. To propose a guest for the show, you can email me directly at editor at hispanicmpr.com. That's editor at hispanicmpr.com.